Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you would like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to twiz.io to sign up today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Scale an Agency. Really excited to have Chelsea Jones from Chelsea and Rachel, our CNR Co., also known as Chelsea and Rachel Company. I don't know if I got that right. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm excited to have you on today. And they do a lot of work with Shopify Plus. They're actually a Shopify Plus preferred partner, uh, specializing in holistic digital marketing. And from what I understand, you know, uh, you guys have scaled into a multi-million dollar agency and you're a top Shopify Plus partner agency. Um, so I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Lucas. It's so great to be here. And yeah, you're real close. We're Chelsea and Rachel Company, also known as CNR Co. Um, we have a play on the C plus sign for Shopify plus R Co for oh. like CRO because we do a lot in the conversion rate optimization. So it's more of a creative way that we're just rebranding into this next year to be a little more team focused. And so it's not just me and Rachel as, as co-founders and we're able to do more great work in ecosystem. One of the coolest things I see on your brand, on your website is uh, some of the brands you've worked with. So for yeah. anyone listening, you go to chelseaandrachel.com, Condé Nast, Allure, Kind, Navitas, uh, Organic Valley, which is, I mean, if you've ever seen a milk carton, it's basically everywhere. <laughs> I love that you've worked with all these brands. Can you try to give me the you know TLDR on how you built this into a multi-million dollar agency? It's very hard to do that. Yeah. Curious what the journey has been like. Oh, I love this question. So um, to give you context, so we started our agency going on 10 years ago in January. So we have been around in the Shopify space and specializing in this really almost from the, the beginning of Shopify. So just as Shopify as a platform started with emerging brands and went up market, so did we as an agency. So we have been working with some really cool big enterprise brands, but we still have also helped emerging and growth scale brands um, just based on our knowledge in this space. And how we started was it literally was uh, kind of a handshake and a prayer concept. Um, I was out of the advertising agency world. Rachel used to do digital marketing and strategy. I was pregnant with my son, my second at the time, and wanted to figure out things to do more from home. And I was freelancing. So Rachel had digital marketing background. I had a web dev and design background. And we got pulled in on a project and we realized how well we loved working together and how our, our perspectives as women and the way that we look at commerce was really unique and just serving brands. And we just started serving more and more brands and making more projects available. So like most people that start agencies, you at first start doing everything for everyone, like whoever is your kind of client. And then we really niched over the years and became specialists in um, food, beverage, and then beauty and wellness we've expanded into too. So subscription, CPG, basically any brand that I love to consume or eat or use as a beauty product, I kind of wanted to make sure was part of our, of our process on how we were able to help more of these companies. And you've talked to me a little bit in our previous conversations about how one of the things you do is you'll find these Shopify stores that you essentially convince them to do a Shopify plus upgrade, because as you say, and it is correct in a lot of cases, 
that it is better for a lot of these businesses that are growing and scaling uh, on Shopify. And then essentially when you work with them, you're building them a new site on Shopify Plus. Is that correct? Yeah, great question. So yeah, there's three ways to build on Shopify, a, an out-of-the-box theme, a custom theme, or a headless. And most mm -hmm. of our work is in custom themes where we do strategy, full Figma design content creation, then development off of that. So, um, so to kind of full circle, that's usually what we do is help brands when they're looking at that scale. If they've outgrown the theme or they've hacked together on something. Now to go to Shopify Plus, you need to be over a million in GMB on directing consumer or having a bigger growth goal. Like we launched Steve Harvey's Elevate You Greens line this year and that they wanted to start on Shopify Plus because they had a lot of traffic they were driving to it kind of instantly. Right. What is the benefit of Shopify Plus? Like why is it actually better? It's, it's not that it's better. It's that it unlocks more tools and gives you the advantage for B2B. So um, the bigger thing is as your company grows, so do your tech requirements. Shopify Plus allows you to have B2B access for the wholesale sales channel. It allows you to have access to Shopify audiences, which gives you more um, connections into micro-influencers. And it unlocks, yeah. um, it unlocks a lower credit card processing fee on ShopPay, as well as mm -hmm. like multi-channel um, international concepts. It's more of like a bigger growth platform structure standpoint, if that's helpful. Yeah. So what, what you're actually, you know, one, one, one value prop is the fact that, like you said, I mean, lower payment processing fees. If they're doing a lot of GMV, they could almost essentially write off the cost of your development services as a reduced cost in payment processing, maybe. I mean, there's... Yeah, there's... That's interesting. I never have used that, but I, I do think there is, yeah, if from a strategy or a capital investment, because we basically build a house. So if brands have a lot of like, or have capital to um, invest at the end of the year, this can absolutely be yeah. a, a capital investment into their growth goals for next year. Um, we really, right. half of my team are engineers. So we specialize a lot in that professional problem solving. And right. what a lot of people don't know, when you build a custom theme, it needs to be processed very well, where you have like a GitHub repository you go into Jira, you have a marker.io or, you know, quality assurance testing and then pushed into Shopify. And one of the, the right. big problems when companies don't have that process done well, then they can overwrite things within their theme or there can be bloat and code that's not clean um, based on it being an app ecosystem. Um, and so sometimes you have to strip out the technical debt in order to improve the whole house that you're building. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So these brands big brands. I know that uh, you, you, you've done a really good job um, from our previous conversations about, you know, word of mouth, stuff like that. Where do most of these deals come from? And I will say for the listeners, I'm not going to, unless, you know, you could share if you want, but I know you guys are a multi-million dollar agency, the amount you can share if you want, but I'll just say that. How do you get these clients? Where do they come from? Yeah. Great question. Yeah, we're at 3 million right now. We're go my growth goal is 10 in the next 2 years and then beyond that. But I it's not as much the bigger revenue number for me as it is the quality and also now I'm also focused on profitability so that I can grow my team more sustainably. How I got mm -hmm. these clients? What does this look like? I will say a lot of it has been networking events. I speak at different things. It's been also a consistent pattern of doing the work and engaging in our in our tech partners. We're really um, we have like a whole ecosystem with partnerships where we want to make sure that the applications that we're partners with um, give us leads and vice versa. 
Um, but I will say the biggest ones have usually come from referrals um, based on the need. And then we do a lot of podcasts and, and outbound kind of marketing around this space. So it's, it's hard to answer that question directly because everyone's come from a different source, but that's kind of high level. Yeah. Where it's at. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess one thing that I always ask because, you know, when I, when I hear from a lot of agencies where they get their business, a lot of it is from partnerships, a lot of it is from referrals. How do you incentivize the partners to send you referrals? And how do you find the partners to give you referrals? Because that's something a lot of people are always thinking, right? They want more of them. Is it just because the product quality is really good and they know, you know, CNR Co always produces good quality. So we're going to send stuff to them. Or do you have an incentive program? How do you get them to be interested in partnering with you? Yeah, I, I think it's it's really communicating that. Like when we have a conversation with the tech partner, we're like, if we're all in on partnerships, we see this as both ways. And then my own philosophy and team is that I want to provide more value to our tech mm-hmm. partners and then they will in turn remember us. So like, for example, with Shopify, since we're partners with Shopify, like I will speak on behalf of Shopify at, at women events and e-commerce or in different speaking scenarios. And I will advocate for reasons that companies need to, know and do. And then I also do co-selling with some of their EAs based on brands when we need to come in as more experts to give them experience in the in the marketplace of what's possible. So I think you have to really lean into partnerships and you have to think of it just like any relationship where you're going to give to them um, and in order to expect anything in return. Because that's the, I think you, you, you mentioned something that's really important, which is the co-selling part, because I think a lot of people uh, your tech partners, it sounds like they, they want to get their clients on this, but they may not know how to properly phrase the benefits and how to get them to buy it. Right. right. I think that's a key piece that I hear a lot, which is if you're reaching out to partners, you're partnering with people, you know, offering the ability to co-sell gives them a lot of stress relief because they know they can offer it as a service. They're not going to just be thrown out there without knowing or having the tools to bring a client in and they can just introduce you to that person. And mm-hmm. they know that, you know, the team at CNRCO is going to do a good job of closing them on the service. So uh, makes a lot of sense. How do you see growth to $10 million? What, is, what do you think is going to be able to get you there? Sorry, Lucas, say that again. Oh, <laughs> I was saying, what do you think is that growth vehicle that's going to get you to $10 million? Like, what is the plan? How do you how do you intend to get there? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I work with a, a business mentor and also my vision, since we're one of only three women-owned Shopify Plus preferred partners, is to become yeah. more influential in the space as a thought leader, to bring more value into subscription and commerce in general, because I'm a buyer and a company and a shopper myself. So my growth strategy is really around a lot more events, a lot more speaking. Um, It's also doing more marketing. I am consistently posting on LinkedIn. I have a little more of a following there. I also am going to up level more of our social channels. I'm going to be putting out a newsletter that's just more information in the industry to get more of that following happening. And I'm going to be talking to more of like expanding my team based on the quality talent. I believe that we, the vision is to have an A plus team that puts out best in class work. And so the work should speak for itself. And I want that to be our calling card of why we get more of these kind of brands and leads in the door. Yeah. And how do you get good talent? How do you find it? It has been, I will say that has been the biggest learning thing as a boss and an owner. Um, We grew from five people to 30 people during COVID. And so there was a lot of growth problems in that. 
Um, and, and just lessons to learn. I think I have an adaptable mindset where I'm always learning and always growing. I found talent through recruiters. I found talent through network. I've done the traditional post a job description and then go through a bunch of, of resumes. I think it's really right. hard to find the right kind of talent. And then once you do, you need to really invest in them to make sure that they are helping you become a well-oiled machine. Right. So I think those would be a few of my like tips on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said, you know, that was the hard part. So what are some of the hard things? Like what are some situations that without getting too specific, like you want to avoid in the future or if someone's trying to find talent? Yeah, the wrong hire is the worst decision that you can make. It's better to slow down and hire slowly and then fire fast if it's not working well than the reverse. And I think I did the scenario of just like finding bodies sometimes when we needed it from a help standpoint, as opposed to taking the time to like be strategic on finding the right person to move the needle forward. I'd rather have less revenue while getting the right people to grow sustainably rather than to grow where it affects your reputation. Yeah. You want to be able to, that makes so much sense. I mean, you want to be able to feel really good about your team. That's something that I've definitely tried to spend a lot of time focusing on this year because um, I'm very much like a reluctant leader. Like I, I don't, I prefer to be the one cooking up the ideas, but I don't really like leading people. Uh, so I've had to step into that role the last like 24 months um, because if you're not, there's a leadership vacuum. Yeah. You know, the culture basically for any company under $10 million a year and probably even more, I mean, especially with the whole Sam Altman drama, like you see it in real time. I mean, when you're growing a company, you have to set the tone, you have to set the culture. And when you are removed from that process, there's a talent vacuum. There's people who will leave or they just won't perform as well. And um, that's been something I've learned. I mean, it's it's interesting to hear, you know, how much time you put into finding the right talent because I think it's so key Mm -hmm. and uh, so important. I mean, it's... It is so important. And Lucas, you bring up such a good point. I always say the biggest growth edge for me has been from being a founder to a CEO, Because actually that leadership growth edge, like I've had to learn to regulate my nervous system in a whole different way just to handle (laughs) people. Like if you are, it is a very, very real thing. If you are going to scale a business with people and agency world, like people is the value, right? The only way you're going to do that is by up-leveling yourself because it does take a, a next step of leadership. And otherwise you could make more money in doing anything else and probably staying smaller. But the vision is to grow and grow people, yeah. you have to also up-level your leadership ability, for yes, sure. It is so important. Everything's so much easier, too. When you have people that you know are good, and you are the team leader, and you step fully into that role, and you commit, everything is so much easier. So oh much easier. God. And the right oh, hire, the right kind of hire, and the right team member brings a sigh of relief, not stress. And that's, I think the big thing is really as a leader, being in tune with your own feelings and your own body emotions of like, is this the right decision, you know? And then, (laughs) and then also give, I I have this on my desk where it says grace and gratitude, giving grace to yourself as well as your team, like let them make mistakes, let them do different things. And that's really hard as founders. So when you're in the CEO role, you have to be like, are you optimizing for these KPIs? Are you optimizing for this? Your founder side is like, this yeah. is my baby. You know, we want to, so you have to like really <laughs> feel like this is that up level right. to like how we, how we lead a team. Yeah. Well, I do love that you're, you're leading through that because that's a big thing for me too. I have been doing this now for six years and I just, man, it grinds my gears when 
there's a leader who is like demeaning or like treats their team poorly. Yeah. I think like having that gratitude and like, I guess being firm with people, but not, not being a maniac is uh, actually kind of rare nowadays. I feel I've worked with a lot of, I call them like mini Bezos because uh, Jeff Bezos and like, I think Steve jobs kind of set the tone for like this maniac CEO who just like treats everyone horribly to get something. Yeah. Done. Yeah. I really hope that that doesn't continue in the future. I think, I think it's very possible you could be a nice person and lead a team. Yeah, I 100% agree. Now, I will say because I'm known for probably being too nice sometimes. Um, so I have <laughs> built my team around and that is just part of my culture and ethos. Like I want to care and we're yeah. empathy. But I also have had to have the hard conversations. Like I did a big thing too, though, that it, in the agency space, like even though I can be super nice in scenarios, I set the pace of how people um, yeah. have to up level. And so my energy has to be basically three to 10 X than most of my team. And that is something that I think a lot of founders and agency owners don't even realize that you have to perform more in order to lead better. That's just the nature of it. Um, And I think that has been a humbling, but real thing for me to learn um, as I continually to innovate and to grow. Yeah. It's so key. I mean, I love that. I love that. I think it's, it's, it's great to hear because I think it was Steve Wozniak. He was asked like, you know, if Steve Jobs could have built, if, if without Steve Jobs being a jerk, if he could have built Apple and Steve Wozniak's answer, I didn't really like, cause he was like, well, you know, yeah, he was mean to people, but he got the job done. And I guess that's one way of looking at it, but also I just refuse to believe that that's the only way to do it. I think it's Same. just crazy that we live in a culture where it's so toxic, you know? Yeah, well, that's almost expected. Well, and I will say, because I'm one of the very few women execs in tech, like in most places I go and speaking or any of this, yeah. and I really champion and I'm proud of that because I want to be known as a good leader who cares about people. Like I can tell you in our, my 10 years of doing this, even people I fired and this kind of stuff, like there's not a person on this earth that can't say they didn't like learn something or that I wasn't nice to them or treated them with respect. And if that's yep. the scenario, like, yes, well, I have hard conversations. Yes. Well, I'd be like, this is what we're doing, but I'm not going to call something to someone else that I'm not expecting of myself and growing too. Yes. And I think that's yes. the real gem of leadership that has to be vulnerability led, but also with a real um, intensity towards excellence and excellence right. in a way that still is we're humans talking to humans tell me all your things. It's going to be okay. But I also, I also am very transparent about the hard I've been through in life. And I think that's something like the Steve Jobs and everyone's in the world, they didn't address. Like I've been through a lot. Like, so I know how to get through hard things, but you, because of that, it gives you that ability to, to keep going. Yes. So true. And to have empathy with your staff and with other things, you know? Like we all are yeah, dealing I mean, in a mental health crisis. Like, shoot, we went through COVID and everyone has stuff. <laughs> like everyone is dealing with stuff. Everyone has stories. It's how we deal with that and how we treat one another in the process that really matters. And that's the exact same way with our customers, right? Our clients, yep. how we treat them, how we communicate with them. We can solve problems even when we've messed up if we have that kind of mutual respect. And so I want that to be the same in the way my staff and the team is. Yeah, that is so true. That's so true. And I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, what's, what's the phrase? Be the, be the change you want to see in the world. I think, uh, is it the norm that a lot of CEOs are mean and horrible people? Yes. But I think it's a radical idea 
that you could be successful and also nice to people. And I prefer it that way. I think it's just like, you know, I'd rather die knowing that I tried to do it that way than not. Exactly. You know, and I think it is a radical idea. And here's the reality. I, I put my line in the sand in that same way. It's a radical idea, but I still believe you can be profitable and run a successful business while staying true to kindness and empathy and values. That's what I hold. Now, Will that mean maybe I'll make less money than some of the ruthless sharks and stuff like that? Sure. But that's not why I do this. I do this business because I need to make money. I need it to be profitable for my family's sake, but I also need it to be that we're making an impact, that we have something of value to bring to the world. Because there's a lot of stuff you can do to make a living. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I think it's like that shift. Hopefully this is what's happening is that, you know, I think, there's the one side, which is treating everyone like a family, which can be problematic at times in certain ways because, yeah, you know, totally. you have to fire someone. It's like you wouldn't fire your brother or something. Yeah. You know, so it's like the shift from a family to a team, but not going from like a team to a dictatorship. Right. I think is the move, right? Like, can you, can you actually leverage the unique innovation and talent of everyone on the team to make them feel welcome, make them feel like they can contribute, uh, build a great culture? Uh, but not be a dictator. And um, that's why so many founders, I think, fail is because, yes, you do have the people who make it who are jerks to people, but then you also have a lot of people who are jerks to people and fail. So it's like, might as well choose which way you want to be. But man, it's been great having you on the show. I appreciate it. And um, if anyone wants to find out more about you, partner with you, work with you, what's the best way for them to do it? Yeah, chelseaandrachel.com is our website. Um, You can email myra at chelseaandrachel.com m-y-r-a or hello at that goes to ours too you can find us on instagram social connect with me on linkedin at chelsea jones chelsea and rachel co chelsea and rachel co is our instagram yeah we're pretty much starting to get it more everywhere and i'm really excited i would love to get people's input on this newsletter i'm putting out my my i'm writing some things now that should be deployed in december is the goal so to start sign up for my newsletter i love that it's been great having you on the show last question if you, looking back at the first day you launched the business, if you were to have a one hour conversation with that person, what would you tell them to do differently? I would say what I would do differently is it's okay to slow down, to speed up. And it's going to be harder than you think, but the outcome is still there and hold strong to the vision. So I think, I think just getting really clear on, on your offer and and what you can deliver well on and doing that from early on when you're learning, as opposed to trying to do everything. And then, you know, learning along the way, that was probably what I would tell myself. Yep. That's a great lesson. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, everybody listening to the show. uh, CNR code is a great partner for Shopify plus website rebuilds, integrations, upgrades. They've worked with some of the biggest brands in e-commerce space. If you know a company doing over a million dollars in GMV or an influencer like someone like Steve Harvey who wants to start off from day one with an upgraded Shopify Plus website. If you have enterprise level food experience or if you're a wellness brand, definitely check them out. Go to their website, find a way to partner with them. I know I will be as well. So thank you for coming on the show, Chelsea. Thank you, everybody Lucas. Listening. It was a pleasure. How to scale an agency. Thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.